Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're here today bringing you another exciting story. That's right. We're going back in time. Gonna go back in time. We're going to the Middle East. We're here talking about the Ottoman Empire. More than just a piece of furniture, people. Suleiman the Magnificent was one of the most beloved and longest ruling sultans in the Ottoman Empire in the 16th century, and he fell in love with his concubine, Hurem. Hurem went down in history as the first consort to legally marry the sultan. They wrote poetry to each other. They're buried next to each other. They were obsessed with each other. And this totally changed the world. Let's do it. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Uh, so if you're a long-time listener of the show, you know that we definitely put as much effort as we can into getting these name pronunciations right. <laughs> and some of these are definitely outside of our normal speaking tongue. But we did look up what we can, and we hope we nail them right. And if we make an absolute massacre of it, then please <laughs> don't hesitate to reach out and correct us. We'd love to um, tell everybody in the next episode, you know, how it's really said. 
I did look up one pronunciation, and the pronunciation was just in Cyrillic. <laughs> and I was like, this is not yeah. helpful. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce anything in Cyrillic. So you have to kind of try and find someone from that region actually saying it out loud. So sometimes I look for news reports or something where they actually say it, but it can be tricky. Mm-hmm. So we do our best. Yeah, and when you're in the 16th century, there's nothing. <laughs> no right. videos exist <laughs> of anyone talking about her M. Yeah. So yeah, Suleiman. We'll start with him. He was appointed the governor of Manisa, which is now Theodosia, a town in Crimea. It's on the coast of the Black Sea. He lived there till he was 26, ruling that province until his father passed away. And Suleiman had to take the throne. So he goes back to Constantinople, he gets to work. And as we said, he's considered to be one of the greatest sultans in history. And he was the longest reigning. He ruled from 1520 to 1566. He personally led forces in several conflicts to expand the Ottoman Empire by like 70% or something. Eventually ruled over 25 million people. So the Ottoman Empire is enormous. Like It cannot be understated what a power they were. And he brought major Muslim cities like Baghdad. He brought Balkan regions like Croatia and Hungary. And he brought most of North Africa into the Ottoman Empire. So if you're a geography nerd and you want to look at a map, uh, you can see that it really expanded a lot of space. I wanted to add, too, if he ruled over an empire of 25 million people in the year 1500, the entire world's population was only about 461 million. Mm. So that's a, a pretty hefty chunk. Yeah. That's a, a lot smaller than today. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this, but the Ottoman Empire really prided itself on how multicultural it was. So they never, oh, wow. they weren't really super interested in trying to convert you to any particular religion. They didn't want you to get rid of your language. So a lot of people were multilingual. They had a lot of religions mixing together, a lot of different uh, styles of art and everything going on. And they were really proud of that. They liked that. What a great idea. I know. I was like, that's dope. He was known as the lawgiver to his Ottoman subjects because there are two sets of laws there. There's the Sharia law. That's sacred law. It comes from Islam and their holy books. And no one has any control over that. You can be the most powerful sultan in the world. You can't change the Sharia law. These are from above. Exactly. Heavenly laws for mankind on earth. But there's also some like mundane shit that was never written down. (laughs) There's no (laughs) commandments made about taxes. (laughs) So there's some uh, human law, I guess you could say, called canoons. And that handled more, you know, shit like taxes, like like land ownership, criminal law, that sort of stuff. Right. And um, each sultan would kind of issue their own canoons every time they took power. And so what Suleiman did was take all the previous rulings, he got rid of any duplications or contradictions, and he made one comprehensive code that lasted for 300 years. Okay. So I guess sultans that came after him were like, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> I don't want to do all that work. This guy protected the Jewish subjects of his empire for centuries to come. Uh, he issued a ruling formally denouncing blood libels against Jews because of a suggestion by his favorite doctor and dentist, a Spanish Jew named Moses Haman. Mm-hmm. Just like... Suleiman the Magnificent, great to see you again. Your teeth look fantastic. Just going to scrape a little enamel, take care of a few things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. uh-huh. Well, while I've got you, I was thinking, you know how you like a multicultural world of different languages and religions oh, yeah. and everything? Uh-huh. Um, what about no more blood libels on Jews? Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, That's a great idea, Doc. Uh, You know what? I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to flosh more. (laughs) Denounce denounce Mm anti-Semitism and floss floss. more, please. I wish my dentist was so explicit, you know? I don't know. My dentist tells me to floss. (laughs) 
She's never specifically mentioned stopping anti-Semitism. We can imagine That's that true. she probably would agree to it. I think so. I hope so. Otherwise, we need a new a dentist. New dentist. I know, right? <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Suleiman's laws cut down on punishments requiring death or mutilation. Instead, he moved more towards imposing fines, right? He himself was a poet and a goldsmith, so already kind of an artist himself. And then he was a major patron of the arts as well. He presided over the golden age of the Ottoman Empire in arts. There was literature and theology and philosophy and architecture just booming. Many major Turkish cities still boast buildings from this architect, uh, Memar Sinan. His buildings are still up in their skyline today. They're gorgeous. Look them up. They're just beautiful. It's yeah. an amazing architecture. Yeah. Check it out. Historians note that while Suleiman's father wrote poetry in Persian, and many sultans were influenced by Persian artistic styles, Suleiman helped the Ottoman Empire assert its own artistic legacy. Mm -hmm. Like, this was part of really coming into their own with an artistic voice, which I think really helps just define, you know, an era and... Uh, a, a nation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. It's kind of that marrying of all those different styles yes. from all over his empire that made for this incredibly interesting and beautiful style of their own yep. that you wouldn't get anywhere else because everywhere else they were like, if you're not white, uh, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're not this religion, get the fuck out. He also, another way he broke tradition was that he married a concubine in his harem, a woman known as Roxelana. Roxelana was born in a town as part of the Kingdom of Poland at the time. Today it's in western Ukraine. Sometime before 1520, maybe 1517, she's captured by Crimean Tatars during a slave raid. She's brought to Constantinople, and she's selected for the imperial harem by Suleiman's mother as a gift for him upon his ascension to the Sultancy. Okay. Um... Can you explain to me a little more about a harem? Because I got an image in my head mm -hmm. about a harem, mm -hmm. and it is probably incorrect. It, I, I bet it's a little racist, <laughs> um, and uh, I, it's probably, in either case, very stereotypical, yeah. probably factually inaccurate. So yeah. let's talk harems. I'd love to talk harems. In our segment, Harem Talk. So harems, you're probably thinking, are like, Hundreds of beautiful women that the sultan can just fuck at any time. Right. That's what I was thinking. Right. Okay. And they're just laying around waiting to Silk pillows, be slept with. Purple curtains. Mm -hmm, gold mm -hmm. beads mm -hmm. on their bellies. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's the image in my head. Because I'm thinking about that old restaurant, Imperial Fez. <sighs> that was such a cool spot. It was. And I think harem, I just think of that restaurant. <laughs> but so. with a lot more naked ladies. A lot more naked ladies, yeah. And a lot less white people <laughs> right. <laughs> sitting right. around. Dining. Well, you're right and you're wrong. Okay. So a harem is made up not only of concubines, but also wives. Okay. Servants. Sure. Female relatives of oh. the sultan. And, of course, eunuchs. Very important part of the, of the harem. So not everybody in the harem is, is having sex with the sultan. They're just okay. like in the palace running shit, taking care of his home. The larger the harem, the more power and wealth the sultan was seen to have. Sometimes they get up to the hundreds. Oh. Suleiman's princely harem had about 17 women in it. Um, most of the men and women in the harem are bought as slaves to ensure obedience. But some were actually free. The main wives were free women because you couldn't marry a slave. So if you were a wife, you were not a slave. Um, but everyone in the harem was given a quality education. And afterwards, the men and women within the harem would sometimes be married off to each other. So only a small number of the women in the harem were actually there for him to sleep with. Okay. Um, and they're governed by the Valid Sultan, 
which is typically the sultan's mother. She's the most powerful member of the harem. She runs everybody in it. Makes sense. They all look to her. Um, And she was also responsible for educating her son on the intricacies of politics. She was a member of the imperial court. So she had kind of a lot of power within the palace, at least. And the next most powerful positions in the harem were the concubines who rose through the ranks. They would get titles like the favorite, the fortunate, and the wife. Glenn Close, is that you? (laughs) And so these women held an equivalent rank to legal wives, and they were given their own servants, their own apartments. They were paid more in income. They got like a yearly income, and you would get more the more, you know, higher up you were. Right. So it's kind of a corporate ladder (laughs) kind of action (laughs) going on. Obviously, this is all for the sake of reproduction, right? He's sleeping with a lot of women because then you have better odds of having a big family and one of them attains their majority and are able to take over for you, right? But concubines were actually seen as more legitimate mothers of heirs because they had no influence over their sons. Oh, okay. Legal wives would jockey for power because they would improve their own situation. If their son became sultan, of course, they were then, you know, in a higher position themselves. But slave women had no, none of that was recognized at all. So if their son became sultan, it really meant nothing to them. You know, it had made no difference to their lives whatsoever. So in the eyes of the Ottoman Empire, it was better off to have an heir by a concubine uh, than by a legal wife. Now, eunuchs were also an important element to a harem. These were slaves who were castrated. And it was important to note that there were white and black slaves in the Ottoman Empire, but they were still treated very differently. Black slaves would have everything removed. What? Penis and testicles totally separated from their bodies. And then they were put in charge of the harem because they lacked the equipment to be, you know, interested in women or be able to have sex with women. Oh, give me a break. Uh, White slaves only had a portion of their penis removed. Oh, thanks. And they wouldn't have access to the harem at all. Eunuchs were usually castrated before puberty by their Christian or Jewish captors because Islam actually prohibited the act of castration. So you've got the salespeople basically bringing slaves from here to there being like, step right up. Get your unpaid interns here, right? Oh, <laughs> Lord. Already castrated them, so you ain't got to worry about getting your hands dirty with none of that. Uh, we catch them, we cut them, you buy them. You know you need unique eunuchs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they were fine with having castrated slaves, but you couldn't actually castrate them yourself. So, similarly, female slaves, often white Christian girls, because it was forbidden for Muslim women to be concubines. Mm-hmm. So, some of them were captured like Roxelana. Others were sold by their own families sometimes. There's a blog called Sedef's Corner. He says, Though these practices seem barbaric and impossible to understand for us, the Sultan's harem was a place for a young girl to receive a thorough education in housekeeping, gardening, and languages, and live in comfort and luxury. Some would get married off to high-ranking government officials and get a chance to head up their own household. So it was almost like kind of a career path in this fucked up way. Yeah, like that corporate ladder again. Uh, you know, it's it's so hard to think about today, but you fuck your way to the top, essentially. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, what we've talked about in earlier episodes about, <laughs> you know, how women are put in these situations where they're like kind of enslaved and then told like, but it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Look how many opportunities you're getting by being stuck mm-hmm. in this situation. So I don't know. That's a sticky area. For sure. But it's it's understandable. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, look, look at all the opportunities you're being given. Also, uh, you know, you don't have the free will to make choices of your own. Right. I I don't know. At a certain point in history, that was a get. You know, that was like, oh, cool. I I have opportunities. 
I, I ain't fucking worried about being able to have choices to make on my own. That's not something my brain is even considering. Yeah, but, you could almost see like the fathers and mothers being like, I mean, you're going to get fucked at some point in your life. It should be the sultan if it's going to be anybody, because that means you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be in luxury. If you have a child by him, even if it's a girl, you still are taken care of for your rest of your life. And again, you're in this palace being fed really well. I mean, you don't have to really worry about a lot of the normal shit that people out in the streets were dealing with. So it might have seemed like if you had a pretty enough daughter, yeah, it was it was a good choice for her. Um, a weird job. <laughs> a strange, strange job. So into this harem situation, Roxolana walked, right? She's this is the this is what she's getting herself into at this point. And do want to say her legacy is a little bit shrouded in hearsay and mystery because you weren't allowed to see any of these women outside of the palace. They weren't allowed to leave. You weren't allowed to talk to them or anything like that if you were, especially if you were a man. Um, so there's no like firsthand accounts of her life. A lot of this is just legend or gossip that was written at the time. But it seems safe to say that while she was only 15 years old, she was pretty determined to make this situation work for her. So let's pause there and take a quick commercial break, and we'll hear how she did that right after this. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope that was a lovely commercial break. We are here talking about Roxolana. So Roxolana was probably born Alexandra Lazowska, but she was called Roxolana because of her red hair. She's depicted in paintings as having white skin, red hair, and green eyes. But they always point out no painter ever actually saw any of the women in the harem. Like we said, that was totally forbidden. So most of these depictions were probably based on gossip. So inside the harem, there's several different classes of women that you could be. There's the Iqbals. They were like chambermaids. They still had to be beautiful. Everyone had to be pretty. (laughs) All had to be eye candy. Um, But it wasn't just looks that made a courtesan the sultan's favorite. There's beautiful women all over the palace at all times. So you needed something extra to kind of stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, You you need personality, honey. You gotta have a gimmick. Yeah, you gotta have a gimmick. Uh What's your angle? What's your angle? There were Gadik, who did not sleep with the sultan, but they just served him food in the evenings. And they basically just had to be hot and that's it. Like they were just like hot servers. They're like cocktail waitresses. Mm-hmm. Cocktail. The, yeah, the cocktail the cheetah, waitresses. Yeah, <laughs> the cheetah. And then the lowest tier were women who hadn't really been selected yet. They were just there for a one night stand to see how it went. Wow. Is the the staging yeah, trial seriously. period. Being trained at the restaurant. Yeah. So the head bitch in charge, the Valid Sultan, she gets to arrange the Sultan's schedule with all these women. So the girls are really trying to get in with her. You know what I mean? Because the more you see the sultan, the more you sleep with the sultan, mm-hmm. the more likely you are to get pregnant by the sultan. Yes. And if you have a son, <laughs> that means not only you're his favorite and you get more power, more income, nicer shit, all that stuff, but also it meant they would never sleep with him again. See ya. It was a one and done rule with concubines because they didn't want you to have more than one son that right. you would be trying to put above the other one or something. Right. They were like, you get one and that's it. So it was kind of like, sweet, I can retire. <laughs> to have a son was the retirement plan. Wow. So it's a little bit weird because it's his mom. So the mom's basically picking out who her son's going to sleep with that night. Right. So I don't know about y'all, but that would be odd for me to have my mom be like, how about this one? <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. I don't know. Your mom called me and she said, uh, you know, mm. out of all the guys Diana's hanging out with, you're you're the straight one. <laughs> You're the straight one. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And it was pointed out, of course, he's still the sultan. So if there's a woman he sees in the palace, whether his mom likes her or not, and he wants to sleep with her, she's he's going to sleep with her. Right. I mean, you know, but mostly he didn't see them unless she arranged for for him to see them because they had their own area of the palace and everything. So anyway, long story short, you needed to be in with this Valid sultan. You, You wanted her to like you. And then after the mom died, the sultan's wife would rule the harem. So you were probably pretty nice to whoever his current favorite was as well, just in case. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, well, when if the Valid sultan doesn't like me now, maybe the next one will. So right. I'll be friends with her kind of thing. So you're hedging bets on who he's going to marry. Mm-hmm. It's like a real uh, mean girl society kind of thing. I was just about to say, like, this is like a real stressful cafeteria situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Suleiman especially 
Uh, it's not like he was one of these useless rulers who was just laying around waiting for the next woman to come in and fuck him. Like, this was a busy guy. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing things pretty constantly. Yeah. So that was part of it, too, of just like, you know, he that's part of why he was waiting to be sent, you know, whatever, whatever woman was decided for that particular night because it wasn't like he was just lounging around hanging out with them and saying, all right, you can stay, the rest of you leave or anything like that. Yeah, and she, the Valid Sultan would be like, I'm looking for the best of the best because the people who sleep with him are the people we're trying to get to reproduce with him. So we want only the best. So that's why the education really matters that they're getting. And Roxolana, like the other girls that Suleiman's mother had her eye on, got this great education. Mm-hmm. She learned to play instruments. I mean, they were all taught to dance and recite poetry and literature, geography, history, like calligraphy, all the subjects, mm-hmm. right? All the subjects that we never got in public school. <laughs> And of course, they had to learn the art of eroticism and seduction. They had to be sexperts to keep the sultan interested while they were in bed. And they had to be smart and witty enough to keep him entertained. Yeah. You know, she couldn't be some boring, walking, hot piece of ass. You, you, had, to, <laughs> you had to have something to say, too, or at least be able to hold up a, a fun conversation. And again, you know, you're trying to build the next sultan out right. of this person. So you want someone who can grasp some shit, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's not just about looks. Right. And by all accounts, Roxolana was very intelligent. She had a really great temperament. She was pretty joyful. And that got her her name, Huram, or Cheerful One. And it didn't take long for the Sultan to fall in love with her. Apparently, he slept with her once. Oh, wow. And never stopped. That was it. She became like the number one choice pretty quickly. And he kind of neglected pretty much the entire rest of the harem for her. So, of course, she got pregnant pretty early. She ended up having a son, Mehmed, uh, the next year. And then, defying 200 years of tradition, he continued to sleep with her. And she had five more kids with him. Remember, the whole idea is that concubines only had one son each. That was the rule, because they didn't want multiple sons jockeying for power, right? But Suleiman was so into Hiram, he didn't really care about you know, these traditions, it's, mm-hmm. they seem silly to him at this point. He's like, no, I love this woman. This is it. We're going to keep sleeping together. Sure. We got the kids. Uh, I'm raising a family. We're going to get a dog. I'm going to put a fence up. <laughs> you know, we're going to go to Little League games. Wow. Uh, different culture. But yeah, this uh, came as a bit of a surprise for Suleiman's first favorite, Mahadevran. Um, she was the mother to his first son, Mustafa. So she was the favorite. She was the wife. She was, in fact, still called his first wife, even while he was neglecting her <laughs> for harem. So she would have been higher in the harem when harem got there. But she was quickly usurped. And it did not, like, again, it wasn't even a full year before he's like, I'm done with the rest of y'all. Wow. So Mahadevran had been with him since he was a prince. And she had his baby and everything when he was a prince. Wow. But then got shunted to the side. And that brings us to this episode's side piece. Excuse me? Not that much is known about Mahadevran, but as I said, she was in his princely harem when he was the governor of Manisa. He brought her back to Constantinople with him, and her name meant one whose beauty never fades in Persian. She had his first son, Mustafa. So she's enjoying this nice wage, comfy palace life as the favorite until harem comes along. And this Venetian ambassador, Cardinal Bernardo Navaguero, wrote that a bitter rivalry sprang up between the two women, resulting in Mahadevran attacking and beating Harem 
which displeased Suleiman, so he banished her back to Manisa with her son Mustafa. But Turkish historians say that is not true. That was just some nonsense uh, spread around, probably to make Harem look like an asshole because a lot of people tried that over the years. I see. And it was actually common practice for the mother to accompany her son when he was given governorship of a province. So Mustafa was like Suleiman. He was one of the older sons. He was given this big province, Manisa, to deal with in the regular course of things. And she went with him normally. It was not like a banishment. But history loves a cat fight. So, yeah. Harem had five sons and one daughter with Suleiman over the next decade. Uh, During that time, she continued her education in diplomacy and the Ottoman language, mathematics, history, alchemy. She learned how to make perfume. And she also started to influence politics at this point, right? She becomes one of Suleiman's most trusted advisors. And she starts handling foreign affairs and international politics in this, like, totally unprecedented way for a concubine, especially. She would sit and watch council meetings through this wire mesh window. So I guess she was, like, was she sneaking in to watch them or was she, like, allowed to I'm sure to watch they them? knew about it. I think he knew yeah. that she was It was just like, a, you just can't be in here, but... Well, they can't see her. I see. Right, uh, it's, right, 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 right. It's, it's even more, like, it's funny because it feels like, oh, it's this prison that you keep these women in. But it was almost, like, for their protection or something. Yeah. And, like, they're so beautiful that you don't get to see them. Yeah. They're just for me, the sultan. Yeah. They could see you, but you mm-hmm. can't see them. They're like the shadow people. <laughs> yeah. Don't look over there. So she watched these council meetings, and she oversaw massive construction projects. Even one time she wrote a letter to the king of Poland just to congratulate him on his ascension to the throne and express hope for a peaceful relationship between them. And then she created this Polish-Ottoman alliance. Apparently, he wrote back a very gracious reply. Mm -hmm. Now, she would be the first and only female sultan to exchange letters with a king. Yeah, after her, the female sultans would correspond with queens, maybe, but never kings. This was a one-and-done situation. (laughs) Crimean historians say that she actually intervened to control Tatar slave raiding, too. Basically, Harem was running shit Mm -hmm. while Suleiman was away on military campaigns. He was expanding the empire and she was just handling it like a boss back home. And she became his eyes and ears while he was gone. She's just smart, not idle. She was really interested in a lot of different things. I mean, people really paint this as like she was this grasping, ambitious, cunning woman. But to me, she kind of reads more like someone who's just super interested and smart and was like probably telling him like, well, why don't you do this? And he was like, you know, it's a damn good idea. Why don't I do that? Why don't any of these dudes ever think of that shit? Right. Why don't you listen in on a wire (laughs) through that wire mesh window and tell me what I should do? You know what I mean? Like, I think she just had good ideas that he was like, I'm into it. It really like harkens back to me our very first episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Madame de Pompadour. I thought about her a lot with, too. With uh, with Louis the Fifteenth, mm-hmm. someone who just like came in and was like, "Yeah, my whole job is to marry the ruler and be his wife or his girlfriend." But while I'm here, I'm no idiot, and I'm actually engaged, and I'm interested, and I'm going to apply all of my knowledge and be a part of things, and not just kind of be a wallflower here. Well, and like Pompadour, Harem cared about. The kingdom. Right. Right. So I think the other thing that frustrates me about people being like, oh, she was just grasping for power is that it's like there's no women in the world who give a fuck about their own country. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like, I think she was really like, well, I care about the empire just like anybody else. And I have some good ideas. So let me I'm going to come in here and do whatever I can to help, you know, my husband run this insane empire that he's building. Right. 
Anyway, you draw your own conclusions. In 1533, Mustafa is given his governor position in Manisa. Mahadevran and Mustafa leave the palace. And in 1534, Suleiman's mother, Hafsa Sultan, the Valid Sultan, she dies. So now Harim's in charge of the harem. She's the HBIC also right. <laughs> within the harem. Right. So essentially, she's running the entire palace. She's domestic, uh, <laughs> domestic and international affairs all in one. <laughs> Are they married? No. Okay. Not legally. She's called a wife because she had a son. Okay. If they had a wife, if they had a son, they were called a wife, but they weren't actually right. the sultan's wife, like okay. the queen, kind of. But she kind of was like, you know what? I want to marry the sultan. I want to. I want to marry him. Right. So she asks him, can I learn about Islam? Because I've, I really want to convert. You know, she's an Orthodox Christian uh, when she was enslaved. And so she's like, you know, I just really, it's calling my name, this religion. And he's thrilled. He's so excited. In fact, he decided to free her. So because he was so happy. Um, <laughs> she so <thinks>. she's, <laughs> I know. Right? You didn't think of that before. So she's not a slave anymore, which means she actually can get married. Because before that, she couldn't, obviously. So, uh, you're my girlfriend, the mother of my five children. Maybe it's about time I make you not a slave anymore. It's more than Thomas Jefferson ever did. Oh. Happy Fourth of July. Anyway. <laughs> Take that, TJ. <laughs> so then she converts to Islam. She, she does her studies. She gets through them, whatever. She converts to Islam. And then she tells Suleiman, well, now I'm a Muslim, and that means I can't sleep with a man who's not my husband. So sorry. You can't come in. Wow. And bars him from her room. <laughs> and apparently it worked. According to ancient origins, he resisted for three days, but then married her in a magnificent ceremony. And she became Harim Sultan. That's clever. Amazing. I, I love it. <laughs> the steps are pretty funny. <laughs> um, and she broke tradition yet again by remaining at the palace for the rest of her life instead of following any of her sons to their governorships. Because he didn't want her to go anywhere. He yeah. wanted her close. Yeah. So all this power and influence totally shocked everybody. And they hadn't seen this before. I mean, a slave had risen to the heights of becoming a legal wife of the sultan. This woman is running the show and people are just mind blown. And rumors start circulating that Harem was a witch. He had put <laughs> Suleiman under a spell because, of course... Witch, witch, you're a witch. <laughs> anytime a woman applies herself... And get something done in history. She's got to be a witch. Mm -hmm. which, and then if she's a witch, that means that she's controlling people with her magic powers and causing them to do terrible things. Just the, that cycle back again. Which I'm not saying women don't have magic. Because we do. Sure. But it's not like that. It's not like you can snap your fingers and the dishes are done. I or wish. You, I know, right? That would be some magic. I get some bewitched magic. That would be pretty oh, good. Oh, man, right? A little Samantha action in here. Well, uh, my first, my first crush, Samantha. Yeah, Elizabeth Montgomery on Bewitched. Oh, I actually never saw Bewitched. I saw the Nicole Kidman movie. I didn't remake, see that, and it was not good. Well, that doesn't surprise me. No, but, <laughs> it should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even though she's great normally, but it wasn't a very good movie. To yeah, me. no, Samantha on Bewitched was was my first crush on TV. Mm, she was lovely. Uh, anyway, <laughs> people are freaking out. They're calling her a witch. But Leslie Pierce, who's the author of Empress of the East, How a European Slave Girl Became Queen of the Ottoman Empire, points out that other powerful women were also emerging in politics in the 15th and 16th centuries, like Anne Boleyn and Isabella I of Castile. So she speculates 
the Sultan probably wanted a European-style queen to rule beside him. But it's just as likely that he really did love Harem and value her perspective and advice. Uh, if anything, I don't know, maybe those just coincided. That's true. It might have been like, not only is my heart in this, but yeah. the politics makes sense. Yeah. Like, I really want to fall in love with a white European wife. And then like, oh, shit, I did. <laughs> Lucky me. I mean, that sounds, like sounds like a movie we'd see. Right? Like this, the, a, a rom-com where the <laughs> right. Sultan's like, oh you God. know, I have to fall in love with this woman so she, or I have to marry this woman so she can, you know, it's good for the empire. But then they actually fall in love. How cute. You know, and it'll be uh, Scarlett Johansson as, <laughs> as Roxelana and uh, Scarlett Johansson as Sultan <laughs> Suleiman. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But I also think that's interesting because it just kind of discounts the cultural difference, I feel like that like a sultan would want a European style queen. Like I'm not sure that they really would have seen it the same way. Like that that was a thing that was working for Europe. You know what I mean? I'm not sure that they would have felt the same way. Just yeah, considering how they were feeling about one son per woman and that sort of thing. Right. It's just a completely different setup. Right. But I thought it was interesting anyway. Yeah. And the way that they wrote to each other is some evidence of their actual passion for one another. Okay. Um, Hiram wrote him letters uh, all the time, because again, she's his eyes and ears. So she was writing him news of the palace and stuff. And she would sometimes be like, write back to me. It's not just about me wanting to hear from you. I need to let people know you're still alive and doing fine, you know, because otherwise they're going to start some shit. Right. But she also wrote stuff like, if you ask about me, your servant who has caught fire from the zeal of missing you, I am like the one whose liver, in this case meaning heart, has been broiled, whose chest has been ruined whose eyes are filled with tears, who cannot distinguish any more between night and day, who has fallen into the sea of yearning, desperate, mad with your love. This passionate love of yours, your slave, is burning because I have been separated from you. So he wrote back to her, At last we shall unite in souls, in thoughts, in imagination, in will, in heart, in everything that I have left of mine in your, and have taken you with me, O oh, my only love. And he's also a renowned poet. He has some verses that are still quoted to this day in, in Turkey. And their mutual love for poetry might have been one of the first things that he liked about her, especially because when they got together to sleep together the first time, I guess they probably talked about what they were into, had a little oh, yeah. date, and then they ended up just being like, oh, you like poetry too, let's just talk poetry. And he actually wrote a poem for Harem. So let's go on down to Poetry Corner and hear what Suleiman has to say about his loved one. Throne of my lonely niche, my wealth, my love, my moonlight, my most sincere friend, my confidant, my very existence, my sultan, my one and only love, the most beautiful among the beautiful, my springtime, my merry-faced love, my daytime, my sweetheart, laughing leaf, my plants, my sweet, my rose, the only one who does not distress me in this world, my Istanbul, my Karaman, the earth of my Anatolia, my Badakhshan, my Baghdad, and Khorasan, my woman of the beautiful hair, my love of the slanted brow, my love of eyes full of mischief, I'll sing your praises always, I, lover of the tormented heart, Muhibi of the eyes full of tears, I am happy. I mean, they seem pretty hot for each other, is all oh, I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Total horn dogs in I mean, these letters. 
the only one who does not distress me. I mean, that that can be enough. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, even you're not the only one who does not distress me. What? There is no only one who does not distress me. <laughs> That's true. You're stay di- you stay distressed. Yeah. It's my natural state. He does call it Istanbul. Was it not Constantinople at this point? Uh, it is Istanbul, not Constantinople. Uh, it's been a long time gone since it was Constantinople. Well, why did Constantinople get the works? Uh, if you're asking me why Constantinople got the works, I don't want to hear it because honestly, it's not our business. <laughs> Actually, the Turks called it Istanbul themselves since the 1450s when the city fell to the Ottomans. But Christians and people in the West continued to call it Constantinople until the name Istanbul was officially adopted in 1930. So it's and not my business, but I did find out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so well, if you have a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Yeah. Well, anyway, buy They Might Be Giants albums and then whatever I guess they're about to sell you during this commercial break. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. 
And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. All right, welcome back to the show. So anyway, Harem's image is only getting worse in the kingdom because of some political shenanigans that she is blamed for orchestrating. Of course. So first of all, Suleiman's grand vizier was named Ibrahim Pasha. He had known Suleiman since they were young. And Suleiman had made him a royal falconer and then promoted him to vizier in 1923. Okay, send me through history, right? Uh-huh. Don't, you, I, I don't get to pick. Right. But um, roll the dice. I'm getting thrown into history to be anybody at any time. I, there's a couple of positions that I want, but Royal Falconer is up there. I got That's my fingers cool. crossed. That's a pretty cool job. <laughs> the guy who's got the falcon <laughs> all at all times. I mean, this guy's pretty cool, right? Probably I mean, not this particular guy. Oh, but, no, yeah, yeah. No, the, the... But a falconer. Yeah. Probably right? more than one falcon. Too. Oh yeah, he's probably got a whole, a whole aviary of falcons, but you've always got one on your arm. Sure, why right? Not? That's my that's my whole thing. Hanging on the glove. If I didn't have one, people would be like, "Where's your falcon?" Right. No, I got it all the time. <laughs> or I'd be like, "Well, he's scouting. Mm-hmm. She's scout. She's probably she." Mm-hmm. I feel like I I don't know why. I just feel like falcon females are probably better hunters. I don't know. I don't know. Huh. I don't know enough about falcons. Uh, if any any um any uh, ornithologists out there. Right. Uh, let me know if male or female falcons are the uh, preferred for a falconer to have on their <laughs> forearm. Anyway. Well, Ibrahim might have been a great falconer, but he was definitely a good diplomat. Um, he achieved quite a lot. And he actually married the granddaughter of the man who enslaved him as a child, um, which is kind of, was kind of dope to me. <laughs> and it elevated him to the Ottoman elite. But he got a little arrogant. And he started kind of acting like he were the true power behind the sultan. Sometimes he even called himself the sultan. Oh, like he was trying to be out, that guy. Yeah, in the provinces and yeah. stuff. So the story is that Harem did not like that. And she convinced Suleiman to have him executed. But it, there's there's another story that Suleiman himself was worried about that kind of grandstanding. And he went and consulted a judge. And the judge told him the best way to handle this is to put this man to death. So either way, whether it was Harem or a judge, Ibrahim was strangled in his sleep in 1536. And people started to be like, oh, shit, Harem is cold-blooded. She is making all these murders happen out of nowhere all of a sudden. And they said that she did it because Ibrahim supported Mahadevran's son, Mustafa, as heir. And Harem was worried about her own sons. She wanted them to get the job. So she just wanted to get everybody who supported Mustafa out of the way. Right. Because, see, the way that it worked here was there was no official succession. Uh, You might be first in line, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the best. Mm -hmm. Each son would try to gain power and popularity during their governorships. And if they were selected to succeed their father, they would actually kill every one of their brothers. Yes, Suleiman did not have to do this. Because I was like, oh, shit, Suleiman must have killed all his brothers. But actually, all his brothers had already died by the time his father died. So he was the only one left. So he never had to do this. Lucky Suleiman. Right. But every other sultan did. So you wouldn't have any type of Game of Thrones, like House Tyrell, House Lannister shit Mm -hmm. like that, about who was the real heir, because they'd all be dead, right? You just wipe them out before it starts to be a problem. But it's going to, like, guarantee chaos, obviously. This guy, Bayezid I, and he died in 1403. His four sons 
started a decade-long civil war over who was going to succeed him. Mehmed III was crowned in 1595, and he had all 19 of his brothers come into the throne room. Yeah, his dad didn't neglect the harem. <laughs> all right. His dad was taking like care of it. 19 brothers. <laughs> so he brings them all in. He says, uh, nothing to worry about. You're all just here to get circumcised. <laughs> Which is like... No big deal. Hey, brothers, I, I need you in the other room here real quick. Oh, no, this, sounds, this seems like bad news. No, 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 don't worry about it. It's just a quick circumcision for everyone. <laughs> Line them up. So it's no big deal. But then they go into the room for the operation and they were all strangled by assassins, which I mean, it's just like I'm expecting a circumcision and I get strangled to death instead. I don't know if that's a win or what. I'm thinking about because apparently they went in one by one. So I'm thinking about, <laughs> you know, like by the fourth or fifth, I'd be like, well, where are they? They're not coming back out. They're in the recovery room. <laughs> there, there's, there's some ice door. in there. They'd put nice on it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, it's just a regular man. old circumcision. An Austrian ambassador once wrote to the empire and he said, the sons of Turkish sultans are in the most wretched position in the world. For as soon as one of them succeeds his father, the rest are doomed to certain death. The conduct of the Janissaries, who they were like the sultan's elite army corps, the, their conduct renders it impossible for the new sultan to spare his brothers. So basically, if any of them survive, the brothers, then the Janissaries would basically keep asking the Sultan for raises. And if they didn't get them, they'd be like, well, then I'm going to go get the brother and help him rise to the throne. So there's just this constant threat. If you have any brothers alive, that one of them can just come take your place. So it became this like source of leverage for the Janissaries. So it was smarter to basically just ruthlessly murder every single one of your brothers, which is outrageous to me for, for so many reasons, because... Not only what they're talking about here, about once you're the sultan, mm -hmm. you have all these threats, but also like before that, if you have any contact with those brothers, why would you not be scheming to get rid of them so that you could be the one to go in charge? So I, you, I feel like you've already got that element in that sort of monarchy where it's like if you have multiple princes, one of them's already going to have in the back of his mind, like I should scheme to make myself the king instead of my older brother. Then add on top of that, not only if my older brother gets to be king, will I not be king, but also I'll get murdered by him. It just becomes a who can kill who first situation and just really pits people against each other. It's weird, too, because they would grow up in the harem together with right. their mothers. Right. So it's kind of like, I mean, there's some real brotherly feeling. Sorry, bro. But it's in the law. Like yeah. they probably knew from a very young age. Yeah, this is the law. Y'all going to be killed one day by your brother. So... As Suleiman is aging, both Mahadevran and Hurem are looking out for their son's best interests. Unfortunately for Hurem, Mustafa is super popular with the army and with the general population, and they kind of really want him to take over. But of course, she wants one of her sons, Selim or Bayazid, to get the job. So it becomes a pretty sticky situation. And again, this is uh, this is the hot goss around <laughs> around Istanbul, but not proven. The story is that Harem went to her daughter, Miramah, who was married to Rustem Pasha, who was Suleiman's grand vizier since 1544. And she's like, Miramah, we got to get a whisper campaign going about Mustafa to destabilize him. He's yeah. getting too popular. Mm -hmm. So in 1549, there's these rumors that Mustafa's life is in danger because of Harem and Rustem's court alliance against him. They There was some plot to make him look like a traitor, where Rustem wrote a letter to the Shah of Iran using Mustafa's seal. And then when the Shah wrote back, 
Rustem showed the reply to Suleiman, like, ooh, look at who your son's writing to, the enemy. This bitch is plotting against you. But around that same time, Mustafa is is given a better governor position. He gets a bigger province to rule over as a reward for all his great work in the war, all the wars that he's fighting to expand the kingdom and everything. So he kind of plays off these rumors. He's like, I ain't worried about it. I'm leading campaigns. I'm kicking ass. I'm getting rewarded. I mean, everything seems to be going fine for me. So these rumors are just nonsense. I'm not worried about them. But then in 1553, Rustem's like, hey, your dad's army's halted in Persia. Why don't we go join him? Bring your army with you. He'd love to see you. <laughs> and at the same time, he's telling Suleiman that Mustafa is about to march on him to kill him and replace him. So when he shows up with his army, it looks like he's, you know, coming for some business. So Mustafa walks into his father's tent like, hey, dad, what's up? Showed up with some backup. And he gets immediately attacked. And after a long struggle, he is killed by Rustem's right hand man. Damn. And apparently Mahadevran had tried to warn him, warn Mustafa about this, but he ignored her message. So anyway, answer the phone when your mama calls you. Now, people are super pissed off, of course, because Mustafa is so popular. And they're like, Harem plotted this whole thing. This is a conspiracy. This is not cool. We're not happy about this. But Suleiman is, of course, like, well, let me try and chill out everybody here. Let me try and cool this thing off, lower the temperature in the room here a little bit. So he has Mustafa laid out in state at the palace and then laid to rest in a nice mausoleum. And he dismisses Rustem as his vizier. After a couple of years, he ended up bringing him back, though, so not too bad for Rustem. But this conspiracy was never really proven. Like, Mustafa's guilt was never proven or disproven. It's all kind of hearsay. There's a English professor at DeSales University, Galina Yermalenko, who says that the story helped cement the West's view of Harem as cold and calculating, serving as a cautionary tale to princes who might want powerful women in their courts. So could be a lot of, like, political reasons for making her look so ambitious and grasping. So it's just more men being like, don't trust a smart woman, you know, she'll mm-hmm. she'll stab me on the back the second she gets a chance. Uh, outrageous. Yeah, yeah, just to say that it was not only for the Ottoman Empire's politics, but also European politics, that they were like, yeah, let's make Harem look like a real bitch. Right, right. But let's look at who she was. I mean, her philanthropy pretty much made that look like bullshit, right? She was all about, like, helping the poor and commissioning schools. She built mosques. She had a women's hospital made that was still in operation today. She also established a soup kitchen that fed, like, 500 people twice a day. And her personality, too. Like, she was joyful and smiling, candid. She was open-hearted. That was her whole thing. Just a sweet baby. Yeah, so it doesn't really jive with this kind of picture they tried to paint of her as being this schemer. But, you know, hey, maybe that was part of the gig. Maybe that was how she pulled it off. Like speculation station. Right. She's like, oh, I would never do this myself, but maybe the best thing is to just execute Ibrahim Pasha. I mean, (laughs) how sad would that be? I know he's so close to you. Anyway, how about let's read some poetry while you think it over? (laughs) And he's like, that's pretty, that seems kind of cruel, but uh, she couldn't be cruel. She's got a soup kitchen. (laughs) She's like, you know, it would be fun. (laughs) Let's strangle your firstborn son. I think that would be super cool. You are a very sweet girl, so it (laughs) must be the right thing to do. You have never led me wrong before. (laughs) Nah, I, I mean, you know, take your pick, but I choose to believe that she was actually super chill and cool. And not a conniving murderer. Or maybe a little both. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
But the murder of Mustafa did start a little civil war. <laughs> a little civil war. <laughs> a little civil war between her sons Salim and Bayezid about who would succeed the Suleiman, even though Suleiman's not dead yet or anything like that. He's still kicking. Right. Um, but they're still trying to figure out who's going to be next. And actually, her youngest son died of grief over Mustafa Damn. being killed, which I thought was interesting knowing, again, you know, knowing that he probably would have been killed by Mustafa if right. he had succeeded the throne. Right. Um, but again, I think it kind of speaks to the family feeling that still existed amongst them. Do you know what I mean? Because even though you'd be like, I know how it works, that's still my brother and I'm sad, I guess. Or speculation station, there's a civil war going on between Salim and Bayezid. What if they're like, one of them is like, oh, fuck, we got a younger brother too. Um, like, I, I don't want this to turn into a three-way battle. Let's kind of, let's try and nip this in the bud, so mm. to speak. So, uh, yeah, oops, he died of grief. I just went into the room to see him for a second, and then he just died of grief right in front of me. I don't know. He was definitely crying anyway when yeah. he died. <laughs> Seemed to really be grieving, and then <laughs> Ooh, he was dead. He just dropped dead. So, I don't know. I've Certainly, that's my own speculation. I've never seen it anywhere, but... No, I feel like it would have been found out possibly in some way, but it's uh, totally possible. Died of grief just seems like a real stretch. stretch. Yeah. In April of 1558, Harem died. She was buried in a domed mausoleum decorated with exquisite Iznik tiles depicting the Garden of Paradise that was commissioned by Suleiman and built by the royal architect Mimar Sinan. And it was said that Suleiman was so sad that he was unable to enjoy life ever again after his wife passed away. That could also be because life wasn't super enjoyable, though. He <laughs> was very old and sickly, and he supported Salim against his brother Bayezid. And in 1559, Bayezid was defeated and executed, and Salim's status as the heir was solidified. Suleiman was also fighting other fights to expand the Ottoman Empire in Hungary. Kind of a grind. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when he didn't have this lovely, playful wife to lighten the mood, right? Mm -hmm. Write just him like, sweet letters. Yeah, just mm -hmm. a lot of fighting and winning and stuff. And it's just like, you know. Sons complaining about sons each other. Like, God, <laughs> just vying for power. I mean, that's not fun. No. That's hard to live a, tough, uh, a good life anyway. And then in September of 1566, Suleiman died in his tent the night before a battle. His grand vizier kept it a secret, and the Ottomans won. So these two literally changed the Ottoman Empire forever. Their, their relationship was super important to history. Um, because obviously Suleiman expanded the empire around 70% through military and diplomatic victories. He changed the legal system to be more fair and less bloody, and his patronage of the arts ushered in the Ottoman Golden Age. Not bad. And Harem's unprecedented power ushered in the reign of women, which was when imperial consorts had a lot more political power and influence than they ever had before. And that was all started by her. She changed completely the role of a favorite consort and of a legal wife. And as Leslie Pierce says, brought women right to the heart of government. I would like to usher in a reign of women. I know. If only there was a Harem today. Well, if at least right through the house. I'd like a reign of women to just pass through. <laughs> Oh, you through our house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a personal reign of women. Well. Like I'd like it to. Like, it's about it's always raining men. When's it, when's it gonna rain women? <laughs> rain Hallelujah, women. Hallelujah. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the cadence of the song. That's the problem. That's why. That's why it's raining men. That's why. That's why she picked. She was like, rain and 
Hallelujah, it's raining women. No, it doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. I guess it's going to be men. Mm-hmm. She's like, and it's raining girls. That's not good. No, that's creepy. So yeah, it just goes to show, you don't have to be a giant bitch to get what you want. <laughs> you don't have to be a Cersei Lannister. Right. Haran got what she wanted because she was smart and friendly and fun to be around. Yeah. And I think that's cool. I think that's unusual in history. You know, usually it's about who's the most bloody, murderous piece of shit. Right. <laughs> and this time it was like, you know what? This cheerful girl is smart and I like her. Let's listen to her and let her have what she wants. Suleiman devoted himself to her in a way no other sultan had done before and ends up crushing it as sultan in pretty much every possible way. Is it because of her? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm. It has, she certainly had a lot to do with it. Yeah. So pretty good. I mean, a lot of people died. But still, <laughs> right. it's not too bad. Right. Not too bad for 16th century Turkey. Right. So yeah, that's Harem and Suleiman and their love. And I, I just wanted to say that Selim, her son, was known as Selim the Sot. Oh, no. <laughs> he was a bad choice? He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. He was just a Sot. He was just there. Oh, it man. seems like he was just there. But he also did take care of Mahadevran in her final days. Well, that's nice. Um, She kind of... After Mustafa was killed, she had to go off and like live somewhere else in yeah. Bursa alone or whatever. And she was kind of poor for a while. But then when Selim uh, ascended, he, he sent her enough money where she could maintain Mustafa's grave. And she was able to live independently for oh, the rest of nice. her life. And she actually outlived all of them. Oh, so wow. Mahadevran also did pretty good. Now, did these new traditions stick? Like, did Selim live with his wife his his lead sultan and everything no. like that no okay i think harem was special okay i think harem was really special um obviously like i say she did usher in a whole new reign of women so there were definitely women who were taking more part in the government yeah but i don't think that many sultans after her or after suleiman neglected the rest of their harem for right. one above another right and I don't know if that's because Suleiman was a type of guy who wasn't really that interested in a lot of women. He was like, this one, I like talking to her and I like sleeping with her. That's all I yeah. care about. <laughs> I'm not trying to hey, fuck around. If you can find both. I mean, right? <laughs> or if, you know, again, maybe Harem was really special and they didn't get that many who right. were hot and smart and whatever. Yeah. You know, worth t worth talking to and also had something intelligent to say about politics or huh. whatever. I, I would guess more the former than the yeah. the latter, but yeah. I don't know. Hard to say. I couldn't say. I don't know. So if you know anything about uh, the Ottoman Empire after this, yeah, love to hear it. I did read something about how a lot of Western writers say that the Ottoman Empire started to decline after this, but it's a misinterpretation of Turkish writers ah. who were kind of saying the empire declined, but it was only because they felt like... The Suleiman was such a great sultan. No one else really came close to him. Yeah. Um, Nobody was so trying it wasn't to outdo that, him. Yeah, it wasn't that the empire was like going downhill or something. They were just like, it just wasn't. That was the shining moment. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, it never quite reached that. Again. Right, right. And of course, the West had a vested interest in making you feel a certain type of way about the Middle East, of course. Of course, so they always have. They were like, yeah, everything went to shit after that. And uh -huh. it didn't really. It lasted a, long, a lot longer than than uh than all that yeah but i loved the story yeah. i thought it was super cool look at harems and all their crazy politics oh yeah mean girl cafeteria right situation that we had to deal with and also yeah weirdly a lot like the french court it had it kind of called called back a lot of things it feels like i mean you get you put people in a position of power 
and they need to build a structure around that to maintain their power and have people in different sub-positions. You know, like, you're gonna kind of, anywhere in the world, like, end up with a similar structure. Mm -hmm. You know, I can kind of see where the parallels came from. And I'm sure, you know, once the trading started, too, they're exchanging ideas and coming in and be like, uh, I like this idea of a harem that you developed. Maybe I could just have a, at least one, like, just a royal mistress, you know, something like that. So you can see these ideas being exchanged, too, and that's sort of um, not homogenizing, but sort of where you start to see one being reflected in another. Mm-hmm. You kind of see these parallels across the globe in different systems. Because, you know, again, if someone's going to maintain their control over an entire empire, then um, they've got to build a certain kind of structure to do it with. So no surprise that they're reminiscent. And also no surprise that if you have women around... Uh-huh. They're going to think, how can I improve my situation Yep. using my brain and beauty and anything else I have at my disposal? Yep. Um, I think that is cool. <laughs> I think that's a cool characteristic yep. and also not a surprising one. I, right. I think that is if, if you if they were flipped, if we were like Tesla and we, we flipped it exactly and it was <laughs> a one woman and several men or whatever, um, then I think the men would also be trying to find a way to be the favorite and be the one that oh, gets sure. to influence, you know. I just think it's funny when you go through history, it's always like this ambitious woman is right. fucking trying to do some shit and just upsetting the whole apple cart or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> of course she was. She was at the bottom of, of a fucking apple cart. I mean, seriously. She's like, get me the fuck out of here. Crushed by <laughs> apples. Well, and just not realizing that the human nature of wanting to improve your situation, yeah. whatever it is, yep. however you can, yeah. you do try. Yep. So, And if you can do it by being a good person, Great. then all the better. Mm-hmm. And and for someone who's, you know, maybe naturally inclined to be a good person, mm-hmm. she might use goodness to get to rise. It's not conniving ambition. Right. It's like, I want to, it. I if I help people, I and if if I'm likable, I will ascend. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that. And it's not me being sneaky. It's just me benefiting from goodness. Right. And I think it's kind of telling that she was really nice and kind in real life because uh-huh. nobody really tried to stop her. Yeah. I mean, there was all these rumors about her being a witch and having all these, you know, doing too much or whatever. But yep. nobody really tried to stop her. So I'm like, I think within the palace, they were like, yeah, cool. You know? Yeah. Think about all the people who might have been in charge before her who were <laughs> very mean, maybe, and throwing shit and, like, acting crazy. So, it may, you know, I think that says something, too, that people were like, yeah, no, this works for me. You know, however she's doing it, keep keep casting those spells. <laughs> well, however you're doing it, send us an email. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, as always. Yeah, hope you enjoyed this. Of course. And you can hit us up at romance at iheartmedia.com. That's right. Or we're on the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram as well. I'm at Dynamite Boom. I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And we're both at Riddick Romance. And don't forget to leave a little rating for us at Apple Podcasts and let us know how you're enjoying the show so we can share it with our corporate overlords. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy your weekend and we will see you next time. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.